no matter what you do in life, you should be a lifelong learner. I pride myself on learning and challenging myself to either read books, go to conferences, uh, go on podcasts, listen to podcasts. Um, I think life is about evolving. And, and I, I reserve the right to change my opinion if I find out more information. And I think kids, the, the ideal today is, is entrepreneurship is sexy, right? They look at the entrepreneurs on, you know, social media and they, you know, they're in private jets and they're Bentleys and they're doing all this crazy stuff, right? And that's, you know, that's true. Some of those guys do that. Some of that stuff is rented. That's a whole different topic. But um, I think for the most part, what they don't see is those guys learning and failing. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start It Up podcast, member of the Education Podcast Network. Today, I have on former Indianapolis Colt and Super Bowl champion Gary Brackett. Gary, in this episode, talks about how he made the college team at Rutgers that was alone worth the the podcast, but also his journey as an NFL player, and then most importantly, his journey, his second journey uh, as an entrepreneur. We get into preparing kids for school. We talk about education, of course, but um, his preparation of life after the NFL and how to start looking for opportunities was music to my ears. So I love this one. Also, Gary, at the end of the show, said that he would love to give away one of his books. So therefore, after the episode, if you want to go to our Facebook page, go to facebook.com slash startedup. Or you can email me, Don, at Start It Up Innovation. Leave a comment there or send me an email, and I will draw one person to get a signed copy. want to thank Gary for being on the show. It was fantastic, and I know that you're going to have a lot of takeaways from this. If you have a student athlete in your house, I recommend you take a listen to this. And if you're a teacher or parent, you're going to love this one. That, and if you're in the cities he talks about that he's expanding, you might want to check out his new franchise, Stack Pickle. All right, I've talked long enough. I know you're going to enjoy this one. Number 58, Gary Brackett. Joining me now in your programs, number 58, number one in your heart, Gary Brackett, former Rutger and Indianapolis Colts player. Gary, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, thanks for having me on. All right, so your journey has been interesting. Number one, so I'm from Indianapolis, and so therefore um, I know a lot about your journey. But um, I guess, first of all, give a little bit about your background in football, and then we'll get to this cool entrepreneurial thing you got going on. Wow. Um, so background in football. So I was uh, – so I'm 5'10", about 230 pounds, um, give or take. Um, but uh, in, in high school, I wasn't really recruited, so I was uh, – um, I was recruited as a walk-on to Rutgers University. When I got to Rutgers, um, I found out that I had um, to pay full tuition. I thought I was going into a special program, that they had funding. Um, so they ended up not having funding. So I had to tell my parents that, you know, no funding. Um, here goes the tuition bill. So uh, they refinanced the house twice. Um, the last time, they didn't have any more equity. So I was almost uh, had my car packed. I was leaving school because... I didn't have a scholarship. Um, the coach got one of it. He got me into his office, and um, he told me um, it was the weirdest thing ever getting a scholarship. He told me that they were going to recruit people better than Gary Brackett, bigger from bigger schools, the whole thing. I'm like, look, dude, I'm leaving. Like, you don't need to kick me while I'm down. Like, I appreciate the opportunity. But then he said, man, but you work hard. You show up every day. You got good grades in school. We don't have to worry about you. So because of that, we're giving you a scholarship. And it was probably one of the, you know one of the, a really uh, game-changing moments in my life. Um, 
Then after that, uh, uh, he got fired, unfortunately. Next year, another coach came in. Um, I went from being special teams guy to being a starter, being a captain, team MVP the last two years. Um, and then I made it um, as a free agent um, with the Indianapolis Colts. I got to the Indianapolis Colts in 2003, um, was able to make the team um, and was able to play um, nine years in NFL, started six of those years, um, went to two Super Bowls, was captain, um, won one, lost one. So really had an awesome career, awesome opportunity to really, you know, play the game I love and really at the highest level. Anyway, I, I like the fact that, well, one, I didn't know about the, the non-scholarship, man. That's um... – but I would assume, though, you probably appreciated it more because it wasn't handed to you at first, correct? No, nah, I, I think in life, period, <clears throat> I think I still have a welcome mentality. You know, so many people or some people in life, um, athletes in particular, ha have been, you know, kind of kissed up to their whole lives, right? And, and everything was made easy for them. And because of that, sometimes when they transition, it's difficult because they never had to do anything on their own. So now with the first time they get – introduced to that they're they're, they're shocked um so for me I, n I never you know had that for me um so now it's a blessing because i'm used to doing everything on my own i'm used to going out you know figuring it out on my own and i think that's one of my greatest assets to this day that you know i i haven't had it given to me and i know how to work for it no that's a great point it, like and obviously you're not just out of college you've had some time to think about this but um, one of the things about modern day entrepreneurs, they're all pretty opinionated though on college, um, or at least the high cost, right? The, the high price of college. You're in a unique position to, to talk about this. Um, one, do you think that uh, the universities uh, are preparing kids today to be more entrepreneurial? And two, your opinions on those high costs. Yeah, I think it's funny. I went to Notre Dame um, in this little group I'm in, and I think there's 65 k a year to go to Notre Dame. Um, and my humble opinion is that, like, college is the next bubble. Like, there, there's no way they could sustain that run rate and that appreciation of cost every year because you would think when kids got out, they're making 80, 90, 100 k to pay for their college. They're not. They're selling for 40,000 a year jobs with, you know, 150,000, 100,000 in, in debt. And even for parents, even to be like, hey, we're going to pay for it. You're going to be debt free. Really? You, you give your kid $120,000 for them to go to school and, and go to $2 Tuesdays and eat 25 cent wings and, and show up to class? And I, I just don't think it just doesn't make sense, especially when you have Udemy's, when you have YouTube, when you have podcasts, webinars, books, libraries. There's so much information that's readily available right now. Um, I don't know if college is the, the best. Now, now, if you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, a professor, and you know that, and you have that mapped out, then you need that form of education, I agree. But if you're going to be an entrepreneur, I don't know if you need four years of college education. Yeah, it's one of those interesting things where um, I was talking to another guest, and he was like saying, imagine you basically treat that $100,000 and by the way, $100,000 is a four-year in-state in tuition. Yeah. So he's like, what if, you know, what if you would make almost a, a wager, you know, what if that $100,000 would be seed funding? He's yeah. like, you know, if you, if you, if you, cause I, you know, I agree. I mean, and again, like engineering, advanced engineering, law, medicine, there is no way you got to go. 
But um, so many of our students kind of, it, it's almost like they'll figure it out once they get to college and then they change their major three and four times. And this is what keeps me up at night. That changing your major three and four times, that's a $25,000 decision every time you make a change. If, if, if you're undecided before you go to school, you should not go to college. Right? You, you sh if you're undecided before you go to college, you should get decided. You should take time, figure out who you are, what you like, right? Work a couple jobs, right? Good jobs, bad jobs, volunteer, go visit, go travel, see the world, and figure out who you are and what you want to do when you grow up. Because until you figure that out, yeah. to go to school paying 25,000 a year is not a time for you to figure out what you want to do when you grow up. Well, so you're pretty uniquely qualified to, to talk about this because you had you were kind of under the assumption this was going to be partially paid for and it was not. Right. Did you know exactly what you were going to major in or were you majoring in the NFL? Like, I'm going to make it. Did you have that idea in your head? So, you know what's funny? Like, I was a business economic, so I was always entrepreneurial. I knew I wanted to go to school, so I wanted to be a stockbroker. So in order to be a stockbroker, I, I did have to have a college education. And I, I actually, when my senior year, I actually got a job in New York with, uh, with Smith Barney um, before I decided that I, I wanted to try this NFL thing out and give it a, a real chance and, and work out full time. But yeah, I was going to be a stockbroker. So in order to do that, I needed to go to college. I needed to have those credentials. Um, but I knew what I wanted to do. Um, so it wasn't like I'm in school uh, and, and I, and I wasn't the, I'm going to be a football or bus guy, right? I was like, I want to football to pay for my education. And then with my education, I was going to go ahead to New York and be a stockbroker. So that was my whole game plan. Um, football kind of got in the way. Um, and then, um, you know, I seized the opportunity and I made the most of it. That's really interesting. Just because like you said, you weren't, uh, you weren't that this is not a backhanded compliment, but you weren't, the NFL wasn't salivating to get you. So I'm sure this internship that you had with Smith Barney, Barney wasn't like a, Hey, we're grooming this guy so he can sign, you know, so we can have his eight by 10 glossy in our office kind of thing. So that, that kind of speaks volumes to your dedication and, and all that other good stuff. However, um, all these things that I hear you say, you know, you said like the, the, the athlete does have this entitled mentality of, you know, or at least the highly recruited one, and you didn't have that, it gave you an advantage. I see the same thing with a lot of students that, well, all kids go to, and again, I'm not bad-mouthing all college, right? I'm not, but I do see the same thing of, well, everybody has to go to college, so I'll run up a huge debt. Um, that is really, really, really toxic that I see overlaps to that, you know, that kid who plays AAU all the time, and like, I deserve that signing day where I choose the hat and, and, and everybody's on edge. I see the same thing where uh, students feel like they have to have this um, catered to, uh, I'm going to go to a, a, a famous college. And then the, the realities, the economic realities are, are afterwards. Um, how, how have you seen the similarities between that kid that played the AAU and didn't make it? How do they recoup? And then same thing with your average college kid who goes to a famous college and then it just then like you said gets that forty thousand dollar job yeah i think that aau kid i mean i would tell him her right because females travel just as much as guys one thing about sports um the discipline the teamwork the work ethic all that is transferable in business and especially in entrepreneurship right um who who, who else better knows than an athlete how to get knocked down and then pick themselves back up 
um, in regards to the to the you know to the to the debt and then coming out not having jobs. You 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 know what is crazy? I'm in a unique position being a CEO. I, I talk to a lot of other CEOs. You know what some of the mo the, the highest paying unfulfilled jobs are? Trades, electricians, plumbers, HVAC. Right? They're they're paying people sixty thousand, eighty thousand dollars a year, and they you need two years of training. Like sometimes two, three years of training and you can make sixty, seven, eighty thousand dollars a year. But one, when I exposed to it, and two, I don't think the training is made readily available. Like in, in, in high school, like teachers are programming kids that you have to go to college. Well, I think more of them should be programming kids like, hey, you should check out this vocational school because I think you may learn different. The, the, the best, um, I like, I'm a big internet meme guy, Instagram. The best meme is like, um, is this teacher and then he's talking to a class, and in his class is an elephant, a giraffe, a monkey, a tiger, and a, and a human. And then the teacher says, all right, you're going to get it. Whoever climbs this tree and gets to the top will get an A, right? But that's not everyone else's skill set. And it's, and it's amazing that our school still in the 21st century are judging kids the same best of how they do in the academic setting where this guy could kick butt. Like, look at Mark Zuckerberg. Right, look at some of these other entrepreneurs that, that maybe didn't go to a four-year college and are the richest people on the planet. And not that success is measured by that. I'm just saying I, college is not an end-all, be-all if you want to be successful or not. Yeah. Now, now, I'm so glad you brought that up because that other pendulum swing I've seen, and this is where some of my students, I have to admit, like I have to tamper down their enthusiasm is that I see some people take the exact, the exact opposite of like, I'm going to be the next Zucks, right? And I don't need high school. And, yeah. and, and, and I'm, and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, and they start, you know, and I don't, don't get me wrong, I like Gary Vee, but they, you know, I'm going to hustle, I'm going to grind, and I'm going to do 80-hour work weeks and all this sort of stuff because I don't want to go. Like, in lost in that translation sometime is I don't need to learn, I just need to hustle. Nothing could be further from the truth. You're always educating yourself. No matter what you do in life, you should be a lifelong learner, right? So I, I pride myself on learning and challenging myself to either read books, go to conferences, uh, go on podcasts, listen to podcasts. Um, I think life is about evolving. Um, and and I, I reserve the right to change my opinion if I find out more information. And I think kids, um, the, the ideal today is, is entrepreneurship is sexy. Right. They look at the entrepreneurs on, you know, social media and they, you know, they're in private jets and they're Bentleys and they're doing all this crazy stuff. Right. And that's, you know, that's true. Some of those guys do that. Some of that stuff is rent. That's a whole different topic. But um, I think for the most part, what they don't see is those guys learning and failing and, and figuring out and pivoting. Right. They don't see all that type of stuff. So while I think um, school and, and college is not necessarily the end all be all for everyone. I do think being a lifelong learner is for everyone. Everyone should be able to learn, be able to read, be able to educate, go to a conference um, and, and really, you know, continue to educate themselves. I agree. That's why whenever I hear a kid say right around graduation time, I'm out of here. I'm like, okay, let that just be a building thing. You know, I know that you're gone, but that shouldn't be an attitude thing for sure. So I totally agree. So speaking of pivoting, learning, making your way through things. So all of a sudden you go from Rutgers, you make the Indianapolis Colts, get named defensive captain, got AFC defensive player of the year several times, should have won two Super Bowls, won one, that one didn't. Um, 
all of a sudden it's done, right? And then you're like, all right, what's next? What made you decide to get into the entrepreneurial game and start taking some of these risks and then start learning franchise models? Yeah, so I was an entrepreneur my entire life, right? <clears throat> I was the kid with the water ice stand. We had Reader's Water Ice and you buy the bucket and you scoop it on the sideline. So I was a kid with the cutting the grass, shoveling the snow. So I've always been an entrepreneur. I think it's, it's, it's funny, another one of these life-changing moments where my uh, wife is a doctor, so she's um, going to residency with scrubs on, working 80-hour work weeks. Dad is retired NFL player. A three-year-old doesn't know what that means, and I'm coming home from the golf course, you know, two, three beers in, and he's looking at me like, and he, and he told me one day, he said, Dad, what, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I was like, what? What do you mean what I'm going to do when I grow up? You see this house? Like, you see these rings? You see these trophies? Like, what do you mean when I grow up? I'm grown. But it really bothered me because he he didn't know what I did previously, right? So all that he knew was what he saw in front of him. And, you know, looking at from his point of view, I'm like, yeah, I probably don't look like too much of anything right now to a three-year-old kid, right? Um, so at that point, I had to make a decision um, that I had so much more life to live. And, and at that point, um, it's funny about the whole education piece, and then this next thing is kind of contra contradictory. But then I went back to school and I got my MBA from George Washington University. Um, and I did it because I think there's so many tools in your toolbox. And I think for me, for the longest time, I was using my hammer as a tool, and I want to kind of sharpen you know, that toolbox. However, when I went back to got my MBA, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I knew exactly how I wanted to get there. And for me, it was a validation piece. I think um, so many people viewed me as a football player. And those conversations that we had with me was football player conversation. But as I got an MBA, as I heightened my education, heightened my vocabulary, I think those conversations became a lot different. And it gave me that justification. And, and for me, economically, right, I've been blessed. Right. So what I paid for my master's, I could have one conversation and make one deal and get it all back. So for me, I'm totally different than being in situations where I'm going to leave and make $40,000 a year. I'm able to control my own destiny, make decisions that are very fruitful. Yeah, I like you make that. I like that you made that distinction, because um, whenever I'm talking to, to students on whether on the fence of whether they should or not, hey, if you can afford it. Uh, then, then it's a little different. If you got scholarships, it's a little different. Uh, sometimes just for the life experience, it's a little different, but I totally agree on the trade side too. But, um, so you, you, you I love that story about your son though. What are you going to yeah. do when you grow up, dad? Um, <laughs> so as you start learning some of these things, like who were some of your early mentors outside of football? Mm, that's a good question. Outside of football. Man, um, so one of my big mentors, unfortunately, he passed about a year or two ago in a crash downtown, but uh, he had a software company. Who, he's an entrepreneur, um, and he was uh, very aggressive um, in, in terms of uh, investments and in terms of his business ac acumen, um, but he's a guy that, you know, I always looked up to just because of how hard he worked. I mean, this guy that worked extremely hard, always on the road. Um, and then he was home. He was all in as, as a family man. So um, just, you know, every, everyone, you know, asked me about the work-life balance. And it, it's not a balance, right? It, it's always slated one way or other. And sometimes when business is slow, 
I'm 80% at the house, right? And I'm, you know, with the kids and with the family. Um, but then when business, you know, have needs and needs me to be there, then I kind of shift the, the, the pendulum. So I, I always do what's, what's required, what's needed. Um, and if anything was to win out, it always would be my family. But I think they understand, you know, in order for us to, to maintain our lifestyle, live how we want to live, you know, daddy has to go work. So who are some of your influencers then? Uh, I mean, because on the mentor side, that's a, that's a personal relationship. But who do you look to? Like you said, you're a podcast guy. Yeah. Um, anybody uh, really? Yeah, I think Gary Vee is legit. You know, he's a little aggressive. It's funny, you know, as a speaker, keynote speaker, I don't know if I could get away with the potty mouth. It's just amazing that he's that successful with that. Um, with that mouth, but you know, kudos to him. I mean, he's passionate. Um, he gets it done. But another guy is Eric Thomas, a phenomenal speaker. I think um, from a uh, from really a content execution piece, uh, Brendan uh, Bouchard. I think he does a great job talking about you know um, business and how it relates to physiology and just psychology and, and just you know actually in business. Uh, Tony Robbins. I think he, he actually does a phenomenal job. I think there's a difference where some people are just keynote speakers and it's rah-rah motivation. And I think motivation is fleeting. I think what really sets people apart is execution. And I'm more to, um, geared towards listening to people that really want to discuss execution and how do you put a plan together and what's step one and what's step two and what's step three. That's what really motivates and gets me built. I, I'm pretty, you know, intrinsically motivated, right? Um, so now just that execution piece. And I think execution is what separates the greats from everyone else it's funny you say that i just finished um a book three simple steps and his name eludes me but basically it's like i would not write this book until i was successful he's like you know there's so many people that become successful after they write their successful book (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's funny this thing right it was like um so i i was doing an experiment on instagram i was like hey I want a million people to send me a dollar and I'm going to write my book on, and I'm going to send you my book on how I made a million dollars on social media. <laughs> and so many people have that mindset. Yeah. Uh, by the way, it's Trevor Blake uh, for those it's keeping score at home. Um, yeah, but it was, it was the same thing. Like I, he even gave like, it's kind of, it was kind of, um, heresy to say this, but like he, he and give like given the, the background of, um, uh, Napoleon Hill, thinking grow rich. Mm. I did not know his background story. He was neither growing rich nor thinking. He just he yeah. There's some interesting background stories in that. But um, but I agree. Like there there's some people. Um, although I, I will say this is one of the reasons why I like Gary. Um, he is authentic. Yeah, man. Every f and word is the <laughs> he's. Yeah. He, but you know he's pretty practical too in his advice. He is unbelievably practical and yeah, has yeah. done it. Yeah, yeah. So, so even with Gary V's, like now I'm at a point in my life where I can distinguish people that's done it and people that talked about it, right? And and even going to school like with George Washington, like we our professors, like they, they was teaching us currency trading. They were trading currency, right? So they, they were millionaires who just happened to teach on the side. So I feel like they, that's much more powerful where you understand the practical side of things and you actually understand the, the book side of things and can kind of distinguish both of them and kind of give people that, that, that holistic view. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, same, the same way with Gary. I mean, like, he's, he's authentic. He's done it. He's doing it. Um, I, had no big, I had no idea how big Vayner was until – I've had, I've had the opportunity to go out there twice to meet up with them and, and, and do a live show with them. And dear mercy, 
uh, you know, I think the first time I was there, I was there for six and a half hours and he took a restroom break. Like lunch was delivered. He didn't eat. I've never seen somebody that driven. So yeah. it was authentic. All right. So, um, now all of a sudden let's, let's talk about current business. Mm. You're, you're, you're a franchiser now. You, you, um, and I, here in Indianapolis, I think you've got four locations, but let's, let's talk about what you're doing currently. Yeah. So I actually have nine locations in Stack Pickle. Yeah. So stackpickle.com. <clears throat> we actually sold two franchises as well. Um, so those will be open up next year. So that will bring us to 11. Um, we're also thinking about opening up another corporate store. So potentially we're going to have 13 stores next year. Where at? Um, so one franchise is in Houston. One is in Orlando. Um, so really the growth model, I would love to grow Indiana. I think we still have Kokomo, Fort Wayne, a bunch of markets here in Indiana where I think a stack pick will work great. So now it's about executing and, you know, I'm talking to several people. Now it's just about closing out the deal. Um, and the reason that really um, is funny, I failed, right? Entrepreneurs never like to talk about their failures, right? There's a, they, they always seem like they're hitting home runs. Smart on ones do. Smart <laughs> ones like to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I had a, another uh, concept called George Reese's, which is a Southern cuisine restaurant. Damn, that's my daughter. Fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, um, uh, collard greens. I, every time I talk, talk about the menu, my, my wife, my mouth uh, like uh, gets gets very watery. Um, but yeah, so it was a great concept in my mind and something that I actually love, very passionate about. But unfortunately, and I talked about this, I do like a little franchise Friday on LinkedIn. Unfortunately, we didn't have our systems in place, right? And we weren't able to scale because there's one guy who made the mac and cheese. If he was off that day, then no one else would know how to make it like he made it. Right. The same thing with some of the other products. I'm like that. That doesn't work. Right. Well, you depend on people. Right. You have to depend on systems when you're growing as an entrepreneur. And we just didn't get our systems in order quick enough. And then I realized another valuable lesson is that sometimes in order to go for the great, you have to give up the good. And, you know, even at my downtown restaurants, we we're breaking even, making a little bit of money. We, we could have survived, but I could not be in a seat that I am today being able to franchise and grow if I had to manage two restaurants. It's just, it's just not enough time today. So I made a decision to partner up. Um, this is a restaurant called Char Blue, which I'm still a partner in. And it really gave me the ability to really focus all my time on Stack Pickle and grow it as a brand where I really think we can have 50 stores in the next five years. I mean, that's our goal. And uh, that's what our mindset is. And that's what we're working towards every day. That's interesting. You say that, um, you know, instead of going it all alone, you started to, to collaborate with people that, that have uh, been there and done that kind of thing. What other lessons have you learned in, in scaling? Because I didn't know you had that many locations. I mean, well, of course, the only thing I see is in Indianapolis and I'll drive to a certain tire pad. like, I didn't know you guys are in Greenwood and I didn't know yeah. you were here. Uh, yeah. what, what's that? Yeah, we're in Southport, Greenwood. Yeah, 96th Street. Yeah, two and okay. Yeah, all over the place. Uh, so what are some of the lessons you've learned along the way? And did you get any helpful advice along the way? Or is this all just kind of self-learning? No, I got a lot of helpful advice, especially, I mean, I, I go to about three or four conferences a year. Um, so Atlanta, Vegas, um, and you, I just learned so much after every conference. Uh, so now the big thing, again, execution. Um, but one big thing is, is the, you know, digital media and the whole social media and marketing and how important it is um, to really put your, your best foot forward on the marketing aspect. And, and at the end of the day, everyone has to be marketers, right? Because I think product can be superior to another product, but someone markets better. Like Buffalo Wild, like I'm, I, like I'm gonna put, I, my food is way better than Buffalo Wild Wings, 
right? But I don't have the umpteen million dollar word test that they have for marketing budgets. So the consumer thinks above yes. the wow, you yes. know, what is good. And if you really like, if we really did like a food test, like their wings versus our wings, their burger was like we were crushing in almost every category. Um, beer is probably equal, right? We bought it from the same vendor. Um, but I, I think um, so. That's where it's really just execution part and really use no those dollars, marketing dollars smartly and, and trying to scale, um, you know, wisely. Wow. That's, uh, um, <laughs> I kept saying yet. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure you get there yet. Uh, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, that's one of the things that we're constantly telling our students that everybody's their own media brand, every company. But I mean, this is also partly Gary V101, right? But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm always telling them like, even as individuals, they are a brand. And uh, my gosh, uh, just if a seven, this is one of the reasons, heck, I just, I just put something out this week. Every 17 year old should be on LinkedIn and they should start doing a video of what they're doing. Because if you're taking yourself seriously and not doing duck face selfies and F this and F that and everybody sucks, if you're out there on a mission, ever like people like you are going to look at that 17 year old and like, I want that kid. Yeah. Uh, they have an unfair advantage if, if they share that journey. So I, I, I love, I love your message on, especially you starting to brand, and uh, get that media message out on, on, on what you guys do and what you guys provide. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and it's crazy to the kids. Like they all can monetize their brand. Like, like people think it takes a lot of money to be in business. It does not. It takes ideals and execution, right? If yeah. you have ideals and execution, you go on Instagram and yes. you can run back, right? Just don't take pictures of modeling, of, you know, giving reviews of your, of your favorite game. So there's so many different wires, different ways to monetize your brand now. And it's not, business isn't that, oh, you need 100K to get started anymore. Or, and this is, this is almost going to contradict what you just said, I also know a few students that they're going to be influencers. Yeah. They're going to be big time YouTubers. I'm like, okay, what's your YouTube channel? Well, I don't have one yet. Because, I mean, seriously, if you went up to the average 13-year-old, what do you want to do? YouTube influencer is probably the number one answer right now. And it's you know, possible, but you have to be different. You have to say, or, or, I mean, I, I'm sure you probably know this, the Twitch game, people on Twitch, like uh, my kids freaked out. We had Ninja call the class the other day. Ninja's making about a, like literally a million dollars a month playing Fortnite. And some wow. of the kids are like, I want to do that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but saying that and doing it are totally different things and he's unique and he's good. So, you know, I, I, I agree. Some kids don't know they can be their own brand and some kids know that they can be their own brand, but that whole, you know, doing it thing, it kind of gets in the way. Yeah. The, the execution piece, right? It's funny. My daughter is on Musical.ly and all weekend long, she makes videos on Musical.ly and they were cute, funny, but she showed me one other day. I'm like, this is good. Like, I'm almost want to bring you to work. Like, like, like I, you, I got a video you can make. So it's just, it's just funny now. And, and the other day they were talking about um, having a family YouTube page. Um, like our hashtag is always them crazy brackets. So they want to have a YouTube page or YouTube channel under the hashtag. And my, and my son's talking about what he's going to do with all the money he's going to make. So it's just funny now. It's just kids just think differently now. That's awesome. Well, she could though leverage that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And I, I, I same thing. My middle daughter uh, loves music as well. Well, Gary, uh, man, you've been—it's uh, been awesome. One, I enjoy the fact that you 
I, seriously, full disclosure, I did not know that whole story about the, the lack of scholarship and then earning it and then having that different insight. But that makes so much sense. Uh, it makes so much sense because, you know, uh, here in my town, you know, our town, Indianapolis, you, everybody really, really enjoyed the fact of your work ethic. And yeah, you weren't the most oversized guy, but you had that great work ethic, loved it. Uh, but then also you having that plan of saying, all right, phase two, or as your son said, when you grow up and <laughs> you become something else, that you always had that in mind. So I sincerely appreciated that. Uh, any Anything else that you want our audience to see, social media sites, what? Yeah, no, definitely. Stackpickle.com is actually our, our restaurant. Definitely come visit. Check us out there. Buildthepickle.com if you're one of those people that are interested in the franchise. Ton of information. And then you can also uh, find information to contact me. And the last thing, um, I wrote a book called Winning from Walk on the Captain of Football in Life. And that's getting turned into a movie. So bracket.movie, you can see the uh, promotional trailer and some other information about what we're doing on the movie side, bringing the story to the big screen. Awesome. 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 I will do that. All right, Gary, thanks so much for being on. And uh, maybe we'll have a conversation too, maybe later on down the road. All right, man. That sounds good. All right. There you go. Gary Brackett. That was an awesome episode. If you want to win a signed copy of his book, just go on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash start ed up, and we will draw a name for you this week. Other than that, got some great episodes coming up. We grow and we expand because we get great introductions to people like Gary from our listeners. So if you have somebody that you think we should be on the show, please let us know and we'd love to get them on. You can always contact me, Don, at startedupinnovation.com. Other than that, this is Don Wetrick reminding you, as always, that those opportunities are everywhere. We'll see you.